Good day, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan, if you haven't listened to any of the other episodes before this. And if you have listened to any of the episodes before this, welcome back. And uh, I appreciate your listenership. Uh, First things first, little bit of a clarification. In my November Scavenger Hunt preview episode, uh, I mentioned a film named Kes, K-E-S, directed by Ken Loach. I watched it a few days ago, and I had mentioned in the preview episode that it stars David Bradley. And David Bradley, you might know him from Game of Thrones, where he plays Walter Frey, from the Harry Potter series, where he plays um, Filch, Uh, Or, you know, he's a British actor. He's been in many things. Uh, And while it is true that David Bradley is in the movie Kess, it is a different David Bradley, which I was not aware of when I I saw the listing on on Letterboxd. And uh, so I just wanted to clear that up really quickly. Um, yeah, so David Bradley, different David Bradley, exactly the same name. Uh, I mean, obviously, their middle names are probably different. I didn't go that deep into it, but suffice to say, different person. Uh, Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that was the brief little fix that I needed to outline. But today's episode is all about The Edge of Seventeen, which I saw tonight, and it just came out. This is Thursday night, the preview night for The Edge of Seventeen, directed by Kelly Freeman Craig, starring Haley Steinfeld, Blake Jenner, Kira Sedgwick, Woody Harrelson. Those are the big names in the movie. And, uh... It's gotten some pretty amazing reviews. It's got a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a 7.7 on IMDb. It's got a meta score of 74. So, you know, it's doing really well. A lot of people are liking it. Uh, we'll see if it can do well at the box office. Uh, I think it's projected to hit, like, 11, 10 or 11 million, which is decent for an R-rated comedy about a teenager you know, kind of doesn't have the best demographic as far as audience goes, but uh, it kind of hits the Juno vibe, and, you know, there's definitely a lot of comparisons to draw from Juno. However, uh, it's not Juno. It's it's very different. It, it harkens back a little further uh, to, as many would say, like John Hughes films in terms of topic... You know, it definitely, it feels a lot more like Easy A than Juno. Is there really that much of a difference? I'm not even sure anymore. I don't, I mean, it's a teen comedy that's rated R. I guess, I guess Juno is probably the best comparison to make. 
I, I don't know. No, let's not even worry about that. Uh, you know, compare it however you want. Um, let's just say it's a coming-of-age story about Nadine, played by Haley Steinfeld, who is the Oscar-nominated actress from True Grit. Yes, she's 20 years old right now, which is crazy. Uh, you know, it's a shame she hasn't really gotten enough she hasn't really broken out since 2010 when she was in true grit uh but you know she was in she was in begin again and uh pitch perfect 2 i believe yes but i don't have that on my spreadsheet why not uh yeah because she's like sings in it um Right, so that's a mistake for me. Uh, I'll fix that. Anyway, uh, so Begin Again is my favorite film of hers. Uh, Begin Again is the John Carney film who did Once, but it, this one is like, of all of his films, this is the one that has like famous people in it. And, you know, he does he does musicals and stuff and, you know, Haley Steinfeld can sing, and she does, and begin again. She does not sing in The Edge of Seventeen. Instead, she spends most of the movie talking at a very fast pace, constantly self-loathing, self-hating, and wishing that she were either dead, or different, or what have you. It's just, it's just something something else i don't know she wants more out of life than what she has which is fair i think a lot of people want more out of life than what they have um yeah you know i i saw the trailer for this one i didn't avoid it like i do with some of the bigger films that come out and the trailer highlights the Haley steinfeld woody harrelson relationship pretty predominantly and I was actually surprised that just how small Woody Harrelson's role was. He's definitely a significant character in the movie, but you know, outside of like the classroom setting, he's in like one scene, which I don't know. I mean, I think I think for the film that serves it well, but it just kind of surprised me, I guess. Uh, the film actually is much more about Steinfeld's or character Nadine's home life and you know you learn in flashbacks that her father dies when she's uh, 13 and for the last four years up until the present point in the movie it's been pretty pretty difficult you know Kira Sedgwick plays her mom and she has a tough time like taking care of the kids and gen genuinely leans on Blake Jenner who you may know from Glee as Ryder or he was the main character in Everybody Wants Some earlier this year from uh, Richard Linklater or you may know him as the husband of Supergirl aka Melissa Benoist uh, but he plays Haley Steinfeld's brother and, you know, Kira Sedgwick kind of leans on him for support 
pretty significantly. And meanwhile, Nadine outwardly seems to be the person affected by the death the most. And it's, you know, something that four years later, so now once we get to the present, she's still really coming to terms with and doesn't, hasn't fully accepted. And the biggest reason for that, that I could tell, was that she, you know, it was probably because her mom and her brother didn't really approach the topic in any way. They, it, it felt like their, uh, their method of grieving was to kind of move on, kind of push forward as if things were the same in a way. So, and you know, as I've said, you know, I lost both my parents. I definitely identify with this very closely. Um, I did not have uh, a sibling to kind of, you know, compare and contrast this situation. But I do recognize, you know, what's happening and what's going on. And which is what I, and that's what I really loved about Woody Harrelson's character. Because if you've seen the previews, everything he says is just like the driest, most sarcastic wit possible. And it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Because in like the same sentence, he like manages to diminish the way she feels, build her back up again, frustrate her, and kind of soothe her at the same time and if you've never really experienced the loss of a close loved one before I think it's really easy to look at the what, what he's saying as kind of mean-spirited but for me at least and obviously I can't speak for everyone in this situation but for me that kind of a response that kind of you know ignoring the you know, skip, skipping completely over the, I'm so sorry, you know, is there anything I can do, that kind of thing, and going straight to, you know, responding, you know, in the trailer, and this is the very first scene of the movie, when she confesses she wants to kill herself, and he says, well, that's funny you should say that, because I'm writing my suicide note right now, and he proceeds to, like, blame his suicide on her, effectively, and, you know, Suicide isn't something that you should take lightly, but with the context of the film getting you back to that point as it kind of like starts there and retreads some stuff, you know, you see why he's responding in that way because it's tough when you're the one hurting to not feel like it's the end of the world and to have someone who does know that and is able to not necessarily respectfully but blatantly acknowledge that is actually really refreshing and really helpful at least I found it to be uh, you know like 
I've opened up to a lot of people about my past and generally the response is always, you know, consoling or, uh, you know, apologetic or something along those lines, sad, comforting. And that's nice. You don't get me wrong. Like that's, that's definitely a good reaction for someone to have, but it's ultimately in, in the long run, it doesn't really change anything. It doesn't affect me at all. You know, it just further reinforces, you know, yeah, you had this shitty thing happen to you. So that's just part of life. But when you get someone like Woody Harrelson, who, you know, he says at one point, you know, she tries to use her dead father as the reason she wasn't able to do her homework. And he responds with, well, how long ago did he die? And she tells him, and he says, oh, well, sorry, but you know, I only have, there's a, there's a one year expiration date on using a deceased loved one. Uh, and you know that, and she just kind of stares at him. And I think a lot of people would feel that way. Like, are you kidding? Like that kind of thing, you know, and I, I know that kind of an experience can affect you years and years and years later. You know, my experiences are still affecting me. But, you know, as, but I'm like looking at it from my perspective and I'm thinking, yeah, you can't hide behind it forever. You can't let it control you. You have to control it. You have to be the one who's pushing yourself and directing your life in the direction you want to take it and stop really just succumbing and uh, giving in to what the f- your what's happening around you and you know there's only so far you can go just kind of mm, on autopilot you know you got to get back into manual and make every decision yourself and I think that that's a big part of the crux of the film and a lot of what it's trying to say and Nadine struggles with that you know she and and so she struggles with that yeah but then the situation becomes further complicated when her best friend played by Haley Lou Richardson who I never seen before in a film but uh, she was also in The Bronze which came out earlier this year and she's going to be in Split which is M. Night Shyamalan's new film, if, you know, I've seen the trailers for it, and I, ah, man, I really don't know about it. It stars James McAvoy playing, like, 18 different characters in the same body, so it feels like another miss from Shyamalan, but we'll see. It's not out yet. Uh, Anyway, so, so Nadine's best friend, Krista, and her only friend, really, after a series of events, ends up hooking up with Nadine's brother. And... Darian, that's his name. Uh, And so, Krista and Darian get together, and, like, Krista feels awful about it, but 
you know, it's it's just something that happens, and it just, for Nadine, it just really, really complicates things in a way that she doesn't want them to be complicated, which I understand, you know, you have all this, you've had this terrible thing happen to you, you know, you've struggled for years and years and years to have find friends, you only have one friend, and that friend, like, they don't make it this blatant in the film, but it does feel like her best friend was choosing her brother over her a little bit, like, clearly that's not what she wants to do, she wants both, obviously, but Nadine doesn't see it that way, she can't see it that way, she's so caught up and shut up in her own head that anything less than 100% just isn't enough, and you know, she makes a lot of good points when she's, you know, she's upset, she has every reason to be upset, you know, she cites the fact that, you know, for however many years it's been, 10 years or however long, uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's been 10 years that they've been friends, that, you know, she's been with them, they've been together for so long, and Nadine's always had her back, and, you know, they've been such good friends, like, how can you, and, you know, if she's saying you have to choose between me and my brother, how can she not just immediately choose Nadine, and as fair as that might be, the question is incredibly unfair to Krista. You shouldn't ever have to choose between two people that really aren't at odds with each other, necessarily. Like, yeah, Nadine and her brother aren't, like, on great terms and don't particularly like each other very much, but... It's not as though it's choosing between, like, it's not like she's choosing between her current boyfriend. It's not like Nadine was, like, Krista's lover or something like that, you know? Like, it's it's not like the brother is specifically and 100% at odds with Nadine. You know, they're definitely at odds, but way, way less of an extent than some much more uh, conflicted situations would be. So while the feelings are understandable, the question is definitely not fair. And the problem is that Steinfeld just pushes everyone away, and she doesn't mean to, she doesn't want to. You know, she wants friends, you know, she wants people that care about her to be surrounding her. You know, that's what she cared, That's what she misses so much about her dad. And she felt like her dad was really the person that cared about her the most. You know, she's got issues with her brother, issues with her mom. And then now she has issues with her best friend. And it doesn't feel like there's anyone close enough to her that she can connect with, latch on to. You know, she, you know, she's holding on so tightly to every little bit of connection she has with anyone but the problem is that all of these people she she's holding on so tightly that it just it unravels 
the relationship that they have. You know, the the you know, she meets there's a guy in her class named Irwin who she kind of likes and you know, he definitely has a crush on her. But she plays it, you know, she approaches the situation so poorly. You know, she she leans on him a lot at various points in the movie and then you never see you know she doesn't even like find out until she finally goes over to his house for at one point and realizes like oh my gosh he's like rich he has so much money but like she's known this guy for I don't know exactly how long it's been in the movie but I don't know probably a couple of weeks maybe um and she's like, you never even told me you were rich. And he said, oh, I usually try to tell everybody. And he's, but then he's like, well, I mean, I guess I never got it in between the two words that you were saying. And she's like, oh, do I really talk that much? And he's like, yes. <laughs> and she does. And so, you know, all these things that she wants, all these things that she's hoping to get out of life, she's sabotaging herself. And she's not letting anyone else in because it's one thing to, you know, divulge all of the things that you're feeling, everything going on inside of you. Uh, you know, she does this with Woody Harrelson's character. And, you know, you know, she confesses all this stuff to him and tells him all this stuff about herself, which is great. But that doesn't make someone close to you. That just shows them who you are to really have someone be close to you it has to be a mutual respect a mutual understanding and a mutual connection and all of her connections you know with a small exception of krista who you know we don't get a fully developed image of their connection you know it's kind of montaged through but you get the sense that there's more to it than just krista supporting Nadine in some respects so you know it's she she has a really difficult time making these connections and that's the film you know she pretty much everyone every character outside of her at some point in the movie reveals themselves to her like this is what's really going on with me this is what you don't understand you know you are so focused on yourself, how you feel, and trying to get other people to sympathize and have compassion for you that you're not sympathizing and having compassion for anybody else. And that's the movie. You know, and it's the movie does a really good job of uh, exploring this idea. And so, you know, I really, I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's great. Uh, you know, I was surprised. I, you know, I expected to like it, but not as much as I did. And while the overwhelmingly positive reviews definitely pushed me a little further up the scale, it still like matched and it, and it occasionally exceeded my expectations. Now, a couple of things that I thought were sort of detracting from the film. You know, it is 
another teen comedy. It does have a couple of the trappings that films like that generally have. Uh, in just that, you know, she is a generally naive teenager, and so she makes a lot of mistakes that you've seen before in other films, and there's, you know, the, uh, even, and you know, then there's some a couple of the lines that she says talking to Irwin, and Irwin is uh, an Asian-American, and you know, she says a couple of things to him that she then immediately uh, retracts as, you know, thinking that they're racist. And he, to his credit, you know, recognizes her nervousness and what she's saying. But uh, I don't know if it just kind of felt weird. I didn't really like that scene. Uh, but I did like Erwin as a character. He's like incredibly neurotic I think she describes him as, like, pathetic in the I just want to, like, carry him around all day kind of way, which is really funny. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really good. I highly recommend it. Uh, it mm, it's currently in my top 20. I, I give it an 81. Um, so, if you've been listening that puts it a point above Hacksaw Ridge from uh, about a week and a half ago and uh, yeah that'll put it right at number 20 when I re when I update my top 20 list because I haven't done that in a few days so I fully do not expect it to stay in the top 20, but it has earned its spot there for the time being, and we'll see if it can stay there for a few days or not. Um, my upcoming schedule is kind of looking like Fantastic Beasts Friday night, uh, Billy Lynn on Saturday, Bleed for This Sunday, The Take on Monday, Moana on Tuesday, um... And then Loving on Thursday. So, you know, Moana is definitely a candidate to kind of slip in and knock The Edge of 17 out of the top 20 for sure. Uh, the rest of them, I'm kind of, like, I don't think they're going to get that high. But, you know, it, it, we'll see. There's always surprises. And that's kind of why we go to the movies. So... <laughs> Yeah. Um, there will be a statistics episode for Edge of 17. I'm actually going to try something a little different in the format for it this time. Uh, so feel free to check that out tomorrow. Uh, as, as for this, I think that's pretty much it. I am planning a a retro episode. I know I mentioned these like a week more like a week ago, but I haven't gotten around to putting one together just yet. So look for that to come out in the next few days. There will definitely be a review for Fantastic Beasts. There Billy Lynn and Bleed for this may or may not get one or I might do both of them in the same episode. I'm still not sure. 
but Moana will also definitely get one. Uh, pretty much the bigger the movie, the more likely I am to do a review for it. Or the better the movie. So, I guess if you don't see a review for either of those, you can assume that I didn't think they were as good as some of the other stuff I've reviewed. With Food Fight being the obvious exception to that rule. So, uh, thank you all for listening. You can find all of my contact information at circleoffilm.com or email me at circleoffilm at gmail.com. Thanks again, and as always, have a week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.